You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. But when you love your enemy, this changes everything. Your enemy knocks on the door, and if your enemy says, let's go, let's go hang out, let's go go for something, no, I'm not interested. But if your enemy knocks on the door and says, I just cut my finger off, I need help, you're going to help them in an instant because you love them because Jesus loves them. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. The scripture teaches us regarding being a a grateful follower. Uh, There's there's an amazing, precious event. It's Mark chapter 5. You guys all know the story. Do you remember Jesus is ministering? It's a very, very cool thing. Jesus is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he's ministering to the people. He gets in a boat, and he goes to the other side. It's about from from Tiberias over to Gadara, To the Gadarenes, it's about seven miles at most across the Sea of Galilee that way. And the Bible says the moment Jesus gets to the shore in Mark 5, that there's a demoniac, a man who's demon-possessed, who, living among the dead in the tombs, would cut himself, self-mutilation, cry and scream in the night. He was filled, the Bible says, with many demons, but he was controlled by one, by the way. You read that, you read Mark 5, it's very amazing because it says that he has an unclean spirit, singular. He's naked, out of his mind scares people, and some tried to bind him with chains, and he would break the chains. That's demonic power. And so Jesus gets in the boat, leaves Tiberias, goes over, the boat lands in Gadara. As soon as Jesus steps out of the boat, the Bible says that this demoniac came running. Can you imagine? 
comes running out of the tombs and running straight to Jesus and says, Jesus, thou son of God, what would you have to do with us? Have you come to torment us before the time? Isn't that weird? Think about it. Wait a minute, Jesus, we're a bunch of demons. We know who you are. Uh, we still have more time to terrorize people, don't we? Time's up. Have you come to torment us before the time? And Jesus said, listen, Jesus said, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion. There's many of us. And the Bible has what's called a parenthetical insert. It says, and there were dwelling there 2,000 swine. Then they begged Jesus, do not send us. It's Tartarus, the Abuso. Do not send us to the hell that's reserved for devils. Don't send us there. This is so weird. Send us into the herd of swine. And Jesus grants them the request. All right. And it says that they left the man, they entered the pigs, and the pigs ran crazy, crazy nuts over the cliff and into the Galilean drowned. The man had been completely delivered of the demonic spirit, and the Bible says he's sitting in his right mind, and he says to Jesus, I will follow you anywhere you go. By the way, that should be our response. And Jesus says what Jesus always says. He always blows your mind. He always, you can never predict. Jesus says, nope, not going to happen. Can you imagine? I want to follow you. Just, you just saved me from Satan. I'll follow you anywhere. Jesus says, no. No, you're not. You're going to go home. I want you to go home now. Isn't that great? In the Bible, we know that he lives in the Decapolis. Decapolis, for those of you who have been with us in Israel, the chief's city of Decapolis is Skitopolis, which you know it by its Roman name, Bethshin. And we've walked those streets. It's one of the most beautiful, preserved, ancient Roman cities. It's incredible. That's where that man lived. In, in the Decapolis, it was the chief city. It's pagan worshiping. The man goes there, and the Bible says that he went home, and all of the Decapolis marveled. At him. The man went home thankful. The man went home grateful. He told people, listen, I sure hope you have a testimony about Jesus. I sure hope you have a story to tell others about who Jesus Christ is in your life. Don't tell people who Jesus Christ is in my life or your neighbor's life. You need to have a message. If you don't, you better figure this out quick. Can you imagine this guy going home? open the door. You kind of look like our dad, but he's running around in Gadara naked, cutting himself and screaming like a wild lunatic filled with demons. Who are you? I'm your dad. <laughs> what? Jesus came into my life. He transformed my life. Huh? Who's at the door, kids? <laughs> Mom? It's dad. She, can you imagine? She looks a completely different life. Jesus does this stuff. He did it then. He still does it. He's still doing this. You need to know that. 
He's still doing it. But it says in verse 4, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. This is uh, a humble witness. We're to be a humble witness. Christian, listen, we are a very strange people. We are a very strange people. We are humble because we've looked at his incredible greatness and we're so thankful. And we've seen the power of God enough in our lives, nothing compared to what's coming, but we've seen enough to the point where we can't deny him. Even if we tried, we would only be lying because we've been convinced. The amazing thing is we are such a strange group of people because we're not arrogant, but we're extremely confident. Thank you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. We, we are not, um, we are not bombastic, but we're bold because we know him who we believe in. Um, we don't have everything that the world says we should have, but we lack nothing. How is it that it doesn't matter if we live in a mansion or on the side of a hill? Because we've learned great contentment in just knowing him. And we look around the world that's imploding, and it's only increasing our strength. When I turn on Middle Eastern TV and I see Christians being marched to their death and then singing worship songs, I say, Lord, that's not for me today, but living for you is for me today. So until that happens to me, if it does, what do you want me to do, Jesus? What are, what, what are, what are we going to do today, Jesus? A proud Christian is an oxy, what's known as an oxymoronic statement. You cannot be a proud Christian. No, nobody, likes, nobody, nobody likes that. Okay, so what do you mean? If you think you are better than anybody else, then you're Romans chapter 2 people. That's what Paul is saying. Knock it off. If we have encountered forgiveness, it's going to be pretty easy to issue forgiveness towards other people. And the people that we have a hard time with, remember this, Jesus said in Luke 6, love your enemies. Do good to those that drive you nuts. Listen, he said, love your enemies. He didn't say like them. I think that's very key. <laughs> you know, like, to like. When you like somebody, you hang out with them. You want to go hang out? Well, you like them, let's go spend some time together. You don't like your enemy. And probably walking in wisdom in Romans chapter 12, Paul said, as much as it is possible, live at peace with all people. You know what that means? That means some people, you can talk up a storm with them. Some people, it's all you should say is, hello. <laughs> and you leave it. It's just like even in the family of God, it's like oil and water with some people. Look, from here on out, I'm going to say hi. You're going to say hi back. That's it. Because it doesn't go good after that. But when you love your enemy, this changes everything. 
your enemy knocks on the door. And if your enemy says, let's go, let's go hang out, let's go go for something. No, I'm not interested. But if your enemy knocks on the door and says, I just cut my finger off, I need help. You're going to help them in an instant. Because you love them. Because Jesus loves them. And it's a very important thing because our witness should be humble. We should never say, well, yes, I'm a Christian. (laughs) You shouldn't do that. And you see right here in verse 4 the word knowing. Egneo. Say egneo. That sounds a lot like ignoramus. Because it is. That's the word. It says right here, if you don't recognize God's goodness and God's long-suffering and his patience with you, then what you're doing is you're being an ignoramus. By the way, cheer up. The word ignoramus is the root word to agnostic. The, an agnostic. So an agnostic? I know agnostics. Here's the funny thing. You know agnostics, but the agnostics don't know themselves. An agnostic means, I believe God exists. He just can't be known. He's out there somewhere. Well, how do you know? I don't. I just think he's out there somewhere. That's what an agnostic is. At least, why don't you just be an atheist instead? But an agnostic is like, "Mm, I don't know, and I'm too lazy to care. So I'm going to say I'm an agnostic. Just know. The Bible says you're an ignoramus. You could know, but you choose not to know. Don't tell me. Right? I don't want to know. He's out there, but that's it. I don't want to talk to him. No, listen. Knowing that the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. This is, this is sweet. God's goodness should cause you... Listen, are you an atheist or an agnostic? God's goodness should cause you to metanoia. Meta is to afterthink. Noia, think, thought, afterthought. Metanoia, have an afterthought. Think again. It means think again. Think again about who God is. So, he is good. Yeah, he is good. You're breathing right now. That's him giving you breath. In a moment, you're going to get up and you're going to walk. That's him giving you the power to do that. We can't even fathom how much grace he gives us in one hour. Infinite. Some people think maybe, you know, if you don't turn and follow Christ, you're going to burn. I mean, there is tr- that's true. But you don't say... Hey, this what? Attention, everyone. <laughs> so I'll let you know you're all going to burn. That doesn't go well. And then, yeah, I know you turn on TV and there's a guy preaching. I'm telling you, you're going to have to come to Christ. You need a Jesus now. You're going to go to hell in the flames of fire. I'm going to lick your face off and you're going to burn. And, you're, and it's all of this boom. And it's like, oh, man, you're not helping. That never does it. And you see people, I don't know why, they always go to the beach. You could be having a perfect beach day and there's some guy with a sign saying, turn or burn. You ever seen that guy? 
It's always there. It's weird. They're like everywhere. That doesn't work. When you get them to, listen, the goodness of God leads you to change your mind. That's, there's power in that. The goodness of God is available, of course, to the unbeliever and, of course, to the believer always. So when Moses went to the mountain to speak with God, God calls him to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he's there. The mountain is shrouded in smoke and fire and lightning and thunder. And Moses is up in, and Joshua sees him disappear into the mountaintop. And amazing. And God says, Moses, I want you to go and tell these people that I am, that I am. And I'm leading them out of Egypt. They're my people. I'm going to take them into the promised land. And Moses says, what if they don't believe me? And God says, take your staff, throw it on the ground. And he throws it on the ground, it turns into a snake. And the Bible says, read it, go read Exodus 4. Moses is on the mountaintop, throws down his staff, turns into a snake, and the Bible says, and Moses ran. (laughs) Wouldn't you do that? I would do that. I hate snakes. Isn't that funny, though? God says, this is how you, this, uh, I'll tell you how. Throw down your, your staff. It turns into a snake. Moses runs. God calls Moses back. Then he says, it's not, it doesn't get better. God says, grab it by the tail. It does. He says, take it by the tail. Now, for me, that would be torture. I hate snakes. I don't even like worms. Moses grabs it, turns back into his, his staff, and God says, see, I'm, I'm with you. And then Moses, you can see Moses, it's like, oh. <laughs> what if they don't listen to me? Okay, Moses, take your hand and put your hand inside, you're like Napoleon, right? Put your hand inside and then pull it out. And his hand is completely covered, leprosy, incurable. Now, Moses, put it back inside your your, ja- your jacket, your shirt, and pull it out, and it's like baby skin. Moses, still not going to do it. <laughs> they don't, I don't, what if they don't believe me? All right, Moses, take the jug of water you have and pour it on the ground, and he pours it out, and blood comes out. And Moses, you see Moses, it's the third thing. Isn't God amazing, so merciful, slow? And then Moses says, I can't talk. I have a speech impediment. I stutter. And God says, who made the mouth? Clearly, Moses didn't like snakes. Clearly, nobody wants leprosy. Listen, nobody wants to see blood come out of your your water bottle. (laughs) Okay? And so Moses goes for it. Here's the, here's, the, here's the showstopper, God. I stutter. I'm slow of speech. I can't do it. And God says, I've showed you all this stuff. Let me remind you about something. I made your mouth. He just evaporates every excuse. Takes them away. Boom. And so Moses goes down the mountain. 
and changes the entire world. This Jack Kemp's podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener-supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected. Free.